Welcome to Rise and Shine, raw chats with real women in Australian small business. In each candid conversation with a small business owner, we'll explore the messy back end of business with heaps of golden wisdom to help you learn, grow and live your truth. I'm your host, Rachel Green, SEO copywriter and founder of Shine Copy. Let's do it. This app is about greenwashing. And I'm chatting with Sam Rankin, sustainability copywriter, environmental science grad, and fellow mountain bike rider. Sam's business is Copy Circle. She's based out of Melbourne and rocks the van life, riding for conscious brands while she trips around looking for surf breaks, adventure, and nature. Hey, Sam. So we're going to chat greenwashing, but I think we first need to start with sustainable business. So how do you define sustainability? Sustainability, I feel, can be such a loaded term and there's so many varying definitions of it. I literally did a unit on sustainable development in university and we spent weeks just talking about the definition. But the way I see it is basically meeting our current needs without compromising the needs of future generations. And I think when people talk about sustainability, their mind often goes to straight to the environment. But in its broader sense, we're really talking also about economic and social factors as well, um, which I think is also very important for small businesses when we think of sustainability. Yes, I think I definitely come at it from like an environmental point of view, but you're right, there are other elements to it. So what do you mean by like economic and social aspects? Um, well, I suppose when we talk about sustainability, to do good for the just the environment also isn't enough. Like it also needs to be profitable for your business um, and to fund your lifestyle, but also um, doing good for environmental factors but not in social factors. So, you know, fair working conditions and that sort of thing um, isn't enough. Like the all the factors need to intersect is the way that I see it. So what is greenwashing? So greenwashing is basically deceitful marketing in regards to sustainability sustainability claims. So it's any misleading claims or information or even impressions that imply an organisation's products or services are more environmentally friendly than what they actually are. And it's usually done to capitalise on the good intentions of consumers. So, yeah, it's pretty pretty gross stuff, but I think it's important to remember that greenwashing isn't always intentional. Um, while there are some really big businesses out there that are doing it on purpose, I think there are also some small businesses that are genuinely trying to do the right thing um, and they just don't know. And then they kind of fall into the category of greenwashing, but it's only coming from a lack of knowledge rather than um, intention to deceit yes. um, their consumers. So, What's an example of greenwashing that you've seen lately? There is literally so many examples out there. Um, and if we think about some common greenwashing terms, and I want to preface this with the fact that these terms I'm about to rattle off aren't always harmful and greenwashing on their own. It always depends on the context that they're used in. Um, so, for example, um, eco-friendly can be seen as a really big greenwashing term because it's often said with no supporting evidence. But if it's backed by supporting evidence, then the term then becomes less problematic. Um, so in saying that, some of the big culprits, you know, terms of greenwashing are things like zero waste, um, organic with no kind of certifications to prove it, eco-friendly 100%, uh, green, 
and things like plastic free as well. So you might see a lot of um, like bioplastics, which are still technically a form of plastic. They're just made from plant-based materials um, saying that they're plastic free, but they're technically still a plastic. They're just a different type of plastic. So um, there are a lot of the common examples that you see out there. Um, but yeah, once again, these terms used very loosely without those those firm evidence pieces to back it up. Yes. I think in my work as an SEO copywriter specifically, I often have to use those terms because those are the terms that a buyer is using like to find a product that is in their mind sustainable. Yeah. So I think uh, probably a lesson for anyone who works in the kind of sustainability communication space is to think about the evidence behind them those claims and rather than just throw it in there as a kind of buzzword or because you think yes. that's what your buyer wants to see but to back it up with evidence and show not so much the what but the how and also the why yeah that's relevant too would you agree yes absolutely and I, I'm so glad you said that as well because so I feel like so often and you're probably the same I get clients saying like oh, but I can't use the word sustainable and eco-friendly because this is greenwashing and then it's more so about that education piece of yes, on its own, it is greenwashing, but what we're going to do is show them and prove to them how we are sustainable um, because they're, they are still the terms that people are looking for. So, you know, if you or I were to go look for some clothing, we might be looking for words like sustainable, but then we'd be digging deeper to see the proof as well. So we still need to use them, but just um, in the right way and context. Yes. Yeah, that's so tricky when you're focusing on the SEO side of copywriting because many clients... Yes. Don't understand that. So education is a huge part of what we both do, I think. Yeah, um, yeah. There, there are some other buzzwords, I think, that are used a lot and that kind of, I guess, bug me because, like, the one, the biggest one that I have a problem with is recyclable because that yes. attempts to make it okay to produce something that ignores its end-of-life destination. And unless yes. the item is truly part of, a like, a closed-loop economy, it just makes me think more about like overproduction and resource intensive manufacturing. So for me, yes. recy being recyclable is a buzzword and it's it's not enough, no matter what you kind of say behind it. Yes, exactly. And it's, I think companies not uh, being transparent with the full cycle of their product as well. Um, so just, yes, saying it's recyclable, but really in practice, they're kind of emitting the information that we maybe don't have the facilities to actually recycle that product in the first place. So that would be a form of greenwashing, I would yes. say. I think also the word biodegradable is a sh potentially a shady one as well because yes. um, some products, as you know, and I'm sure you can explain this better also because you've got a science brain and qualifications, some products will only biodegrade in specific conditions. And in my understanding, since they rarely end up in proper environments to biodegrade, or compost they become landfill or pollution yes um yeah biodegradable is one that just really gets me because uh technically everything is biodegradable even plastic made from fossil fuels is biodegradable because it basically by definition it just means breaks down over time which plastic does just into smaller microplastics um so the term biodegradable is pretty much meaningless if it doesn't have any proof to back it up um and the other one that's closely related is compostable. But um, 
the difference with compostable is you can actually get certifications in Australia to be compostable. So if you're certified home or industrial, 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 I always have trouble saying that word, industrially compostable, then um, it it's actually gone through some really tight test regimes to make sure that it will biodegrade in whether that's a home or commercial environment. Um, so yeah, biodegradable is a term that that really gets me. <laughs> yes, I not know. to be trusted. I always, yeah, I know. I always, whenever I order something online and it comes in like a um, potential, well, supposedly biodegradable bag, I'm like, is it really? And then sometimes I like I see a little code, like I think a standards, like an AS. There are some numbers after it, and I Google it. And I'm like, is this really home compostable? Because it's hard mm-hmm. to believe the claims that brands are making, which is greenwashing. That's the impact yeah. of it, right? Yeah. Um, yeah. And also when they don't say on the bag, like they've got some sometimes a really cool copy that makes you just want to re- want to reuse it or, or get it in your compost. Um, yeah. That's another chat altogether, a good copy that yeah. makes you want to do that. Um, when it doesn't say like remove the Australia Post label because it's not plant-based and not recyclable, yes. I feel like they should put that in there too. So yeah, it's another maybe thing for brands to think about. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. There are heaps of um, like shady greenwashing tactics around. What are some that you've seen lately? Um. So lately I would say I've seen a large fashion label come under fire because of their sustainability claims. So basically, um, and we're seeing this more and more in the fashion industry, but they this fashion label launched a recycling program where you can take your old clothing in to be repaired, donated and recycled. Um, and it sounds really good in theory, except when you dig a little bit deeper and you look at all their claims, basically they're publicising how much clothing they're collecting, which is basically how much stuff people are dropping off. But they're not actually talking about how much is getting recycled um, and donated, which is basically that's the part that's closing the loop. So that's a form of greenwashing. Um and in this instant, uh, there was a sneaky newspaper company that actually put a tracker on some of the items and they Ooh. found up, they washed up in all these wild places like beaches in Ghana and things like that. So that's a form of brainwashing by saying we've collected this many tonnes of clothing in our recycling program but not actually talking about the amount of clothing that has been recycled. Um, so that's a dangerous, a really dangerous trap to fall into. Yes, fast fashion is, yes, nasty in that way. So as a copywriter, what do you do when, when like, a client, like, say that was your client, you had this huge mm. international brand you were yeah. writing for, which is, like, <laughs> a dream for us. Yeah. Um, what would you do if you're, like, I can see through what you're saying, this is greenwashing and I don't feel right about writing it? Like, what, what would you do? Mm. Um. I think it's really I'm really big on the education piece. So if a client really wanted to make all these wild claims, I would be encouraging them to move in the other direction of radical transparency. And the reason being is that's actually better for your business at the end of the day because you're not going to be um, scrutinised and held accountable, like, you know, like called out for those claims. Um, so I would be educating them on that and how that it can actually do more harm to your business than good at the end of the day. Um, and if, look, I've been pretty fortunate in my experience. Most clients are really open to hearing that feedback and willing to take on 
that advice and um, if they're not, then it's more of a case of me trying to write copy that I feel comfortable with and at the end of the day, we're not in their business. We're the copywriter that they're hiring. So you can give them the content and then they can do what they want with it. So if they take that content and then turn it into something that's greenwashing, there's only so much we can do. But from my perspective, um, if I've educated them, really encouraged them, then I've done done my piece and I've been lucky that most people have taken that on board. Are yeah, you the same? That is, um, yes, I am. Because ultimately we're here to well, fill the brief and give the client what they want, copy that makes them happy. Even if you know that it's not best practice or like SEO um, focus, yeah. sometimes you start out like that and then it doesn't end up like that. Or yeah. thirdly, if it doesn't meet your ethics and you just feel a bit um, like ill at ease about it, um, mm. I think the more you do this, the more you become comfortable with that and know how to deal with it, even if it never yeah. sits right. But then I guess depends kind of on your niche and how you're filtering people before you mm. take them on board because sometimes it does happen and someone will slip through the cracks and you're like, oh, I'm in a, a tricky moral position. Yes, <laughs> and then you just exactly. stumble your way through it. <laughs> exactly, yeah. Sometimes with a 15-minute discovery call, you think you've asked all the right questions and they sound like a dream client, but then they can slip through the cracks, cracks sometimes. And uh, yes. but that's just, I feel the struggle that every copywriter um, would face. Yeah, I think so. Some uh, greenwashing tactics that I have seen, like last week I was at a large grocery chain and I saw imperfect carrots packaged mm. in a plastic bag and labeled perfect taste, less waste. <laughs> I was literally standing there like, what the hell? How is there less waste if you put them in a plastic bag? Could yeah. you not just ditch the bag anyway? Or like yeah, yeah. Um, another, also in the fruit and veg section actually, because um, that's the first part of the supermarket you walk through, so it's like front of mind for me. Um, when you want to buy organic produce and the only options in large grocery chains for organic produce are wrapped thickly in plastic yeah. And I always think this is just dumb. It's like there are zero nasties in, say, the zucchini, but then you've wrapped it in petrochemicals with plastic. Like, yeah. just doesn't make sense to me. And no, I think yeah. that is greenwashing as well as yeah. stupidity. Yeah. And if, like, even a way to transparently communicate that would be um, less food waste rather than saying less waste because we are, even though it's not ideal, I don't agree that it should be wrapped in plastic in the first place. But it's that's an that's a, just a really good example of not being specific enough of where you're having that positive impact. I think there is a place for plastic in this world, though, because for example, if you have a cataract operation, um, mm. they use a particular kind of plastic in your eye, and there's no other material that at this point in um, in humankind creation that uh, would do the job as well. And if that's going to mm. help someone see then that's obviously it's worth using plastic. So oh, while I'm ultra critical about all this stuff and where plastic is used, I think it does have a place in this world. Exactly. Um, it's. I feel like it's always about context as well. And there's many instances in, in the medical field where plastic is necessary. So, yeah, yeah I totally agree. What are some brands that do sustainability messaging really well with the, the evidence to back it up as well? Yeah, um, I've got two which are larger businesses that I'd probably like to talk about. 
Um, and first of all, there's Biopack. So I've worked closely with Biopack over the last three months, and they're a really great example of a company that prioritizes education and transparency. So Yes, they talk about their impact and their sustainability wins, but they also acknowledge that they've got a way to go as well. Um, and a really good example is in this is that they've been certified carbon neutral for over a decade. Um, but in 2022, they decided it would be their final year and they'd cease the certification. And this was a tough move for them because it's a move that was made for the for the good of the planet, not just for the shiny certificate. So what they're doing is they are redirecting the 1% of profits they'd spend on buying carbon offsets um, into investing into research, education and advocacy of composting facilities in Australia. So basically they took a step back and realised that that money would be better spent and they're taking responsibility for the for basically the end disposal of their compostable packaging products by investing in composting facilities so I think that's a really good example of transparency because they're saying, hey, we're actually not carbon neutral anymore. We don't have that certification, but here is where we're spending the money. So I think when we look at sustainability messaging, it's not just talking about your positive impact. It's really talking about um, the imperfections as well. And, you know, there's no humans are perfect and I don't think there's any business out there that is either. So um, to be able to talk about those potential negatives and how you're going to be improving on them as well. Um, I think it's a superpower in business and in your communication. Yes, I love that. That is such a good example. But at the same time, that's a huge brand that probably has the people, the brains, the resources, the future thinking uh, mindset and the money to do that. Yes. So it's something to aim for, I guess, for small business. But um, yes. you have to think a little bit more out of the square maybe for small business Um to do yeah. something as effective and as brave because that's huge. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And I think even though it is a big business, I think there's still uh, lessons small businesses can take from that in the transparency element. So being able to celebrate your wins, being able to celebrate the good that you're doing, but also say like, hey, we're not we're not great here, but here's how we're working on improving it. So um, yeah, even though it might not be to that scale for a small business, it's still uh, the same sort of, um, I guess, transparency that they should mimic as well. Yes. And I just wrote for a brand actually, Lighthouse Lane. Um, she makes or she sells um, artisan made lights that are made out of only natural fibres. So there's no chemicals. Mm. It's it's beautiful. Um, and yeah. in her sustainability page, I wrote about how, uh, like I said, are we imperfect? Absolutely not. But these are the st small steps we're taking, um, what we're doing now, and this is where we want to be. So it's, yeah. I guess that's an example of small business doing exactly what you said. And it's, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Was there a second brand you wanted to um, mention that's doing sustainability messaging really well? Yeah. So I think um, this one is often, it's another big business, which is Patagonia, and they're often hailed as kind of the leader of anti-greenwashing. Um, and I understand they're not perfect and they're still a large corporation, um, which people might have mixed feelings about. But I think what Patagonia do really well is radical transparency and storytelling. So the way they talk about their products and imperfections and they weave it into like a really beautiful narrative 
Um, I think that's something that a lot of small businesses and even copywriters, like I draw inspiration from them, um, can learn from because I think as humans, we're always drawn to storytelling as um, you and I would both know very well. So yeah, when they talk about the state, sustain, their sustainability, they talk about why they do things, where they're at and what they're hoping for in the future as well. And it's like a really nice narrative that is still transparent. What about greenwashing? What's that all about? It's almost the opposite of greenwashing. It's basically when businesses that are genuinely doing good become too quiet about their accomplishments from fear of um, from fear of greenwashing or scrutiny. Um, so, and I'm really sympathetic to businesses that might fall into greenwashing because it's scary to put yourself out there and to say that the good that you're doing and that this product is xyz doing this for the environment um it's scary because once you say that people are really quick to um put it under scrutiny so green hushing is when you do become quiet for this reason um but at the same time it's not the answer either because we really need businesses to start being transparent and to lead the way um it's I think it's better to share your sustainability messaging and maybe get it wrong and learn from that than to fall under green wash, um, green hushing and not do anything about it at all. Would you agree with that? Definitely. Um, I don't can't think of any brand that I know of at this moment that's done green that's done green hushing. Um, maybe because they've done it so well. No, I haven't realised. Yeah, um, but I do think it has like talking about what you're doing, whether it's the best ever or just the best you've got right now. Um, mm. I think talking about it is beneficial because it has the power to inspire others and I think shift mindsets and maybe encourage collaborative ways of doing things and making others just think, oh, wow, if they're doing that, then maybe I should too. It's like that kind of almost social proof thing that we exactly. use. Exactly copywriting it's like well if they're doing it then it must be the right thing to do so I'm going to do it too even if it's just copy literally copying someone's actions but doing it in your own way and talking exactly in a way I think it's more beneficial do you exactly. think that then is green hushing all about fear that buyers won't trust them like it's almost bringing down the credibility of the whole sustainability picture kind of yeah I think from my experience it can be fear that buyers won't trust them because we're becoming more and more switched on to greenwashing. So if they say sustainable, they might think it's actually having more of a negative impact on their product. Um, but then I also think it is the fear of them being scrutinised as well. So I think it kind yes. of comes from both angles. Yeah. So earlier we talked about like, I guess, buzzwords kind of with um, sustainability messaging, but what are some terms we should look for to know that a product is or a service is truly sustainable? Um, so I would look for not so much terms because as I was saying, I guess in this at the start of the podcast was um, terms on their own can be hard to validate. So I wouldn't be looking so much for terms, but proof and evidence and certifications. So yes. um, some certifications are like B Corp, which... Um, is basically businesses that have met really high standards of social and environmental performance. Um, certified compostable. 
So this is a big one. There's actually only one compostable certification body in Australia. Um, and it's a symbol that probably most people are familiar with. One's a little seedling and one's like a home compostable bin. And one's talking about um, being commercially compostable and one's talking about being home compostable. Um, the others are things like fair trade, um, FSC certified, if we're talking about like paper and wood products, GOTS for um, textiles. Do you have any others to add? Oh, this is a textiles one too. OECO, O-E-K-O. I can't remember what it stands oh, for yeah. right now, but I know it means this is legitimate. Um, carbon neutral, I think, or carbon yeah, that, positive. Yeah. Or is it carbon yeah. negative? I always mix that one up. Which one is it supposed <laughs> to be? <laughs> yeah, I think it's the carbon neutral. <laughs> Which um, one's the good thing? <laughs> um, and I think when something is also uh, locally made or made by an artisan, I think yes. that's also a really good indicator of somebody thinking about the greater good, basically. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, but that's a good list. Um, I'll include that in the show notes because I think it's helpful for people who want to do better in this space. And I think we genuinely all do. I would hope mm. we do. <laughs> exactly. Um, yeah. What do you think will happen for brands that don't do sustainability property properly, like if they don't adapt? Because this is a movement, I think. There's more expectation. Mm. There's probably government standards, I imagine. Um, yeah, what do you think? Um, maybe I'm optimistic, but I would like to think that they'll be left behind eventually because consumers are becoming more and more switched onto greenwashing. So doing it at a half effort, I think can actually do more harm than good. Um, but also not just from a consumer perspective, um, because not everyone cares about this stuff at the end of the day. We have to remember that. Um, but from a legislation perspective. So we've recently seen some progress with enforcement surrounding greenwashing from the ACCC, which is a government body. So basically the wheels are in motion for businesses to be held more accountable for the claims that they make, which is super exciting. So I think now as a small business, big business, whatever size business you are, I think is a really time, a good time to start doing not just sustainability but your sustainability messaging properly because, um, yeah, we're going to see some more enforcement come into play soon, which is exciting. Yes. Are there any particular, like, takeaways, I guess, from that report or in general from this from our chat about greenwashing? Like what can we do yeah. as a small business to avoid greenwashing? Yeah, yeah. Um, so... Basically, the report that they took out was from data that they drew from um, businesses and brands across Australia and across a whole range of sectors, so ranging from, like, energy, textiles, packaging and um, heaps more. And basically they found that of the businesses they looked at, 50, 57% of businesses raised concerns in regards to their environmental claims. So they've essentially realised, like, hey, we've got an issue here. Um, and some of the key issues that they identified were things like vague claims, um, businesses exaggerating their benefits, um, making aspirational claims. So saying like, we aim to become plastic free, but there's actually no information on how they're going to achieve these goals. So it's just like a really vague aspiration. Um, so from this, they've released a draft guidance, which is super helpful for small businesses. Um, and it contains eight principles encompassing some of these things that I just said, um, 
talking about how they can actually make accurate and truthful claims and basically avoid greenwashing. I'll put a link to that in the show notes. Before we finish, I want to point out that this is the perfect example of community over competition. On paper, we're both similar. We're both SEO skilled um, copywriters. We have a similar like no BS writing style and we work for ethical brands, but we don't see each other as competitors. It's awesome. You know, we're getting together to chat about a common interest to bring value to others. Like it's just awesome. Exactly. (laughs) Yeah. It's more than a hashtag. Exactly. And I love it. I think when I saw your podcast and I saw how well it was doing, I thought, oh gosh, I would love to go on that. But then I thought to myself, oh, maybe she doesn't want me on the podcast. Like, I guess we are competitors. But then when you asked me, I was super excited because yeah, community over competition is obviously a very big shared value for us. Um, So yeah, it's, it's been great to chat and it's also great to chat with someone who is working with such similar businesses and in such a similar niche because we share a lot of the same kind of struggles and um, yeah, just wanting to help our clients communicate their message well and transparently. Yes. Where can we go to hear more from you, Sam? So my Instagram is copycircle and my website is copycircle.com.au. You are so awesome. Thanks for listening to Rise and Shine. Please leave a review and subscribe so we can spread the love to more brave, business-minded women like you. You can find me online at shinecopy.com.au.